Hey everyone, I'm Eric. Welcome back to another episode of the SDR Game Podcast. My guest today is Ashley Hermano, Senior BDA at Mosaic. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you today. Uh, before we start, can you uh, introduce yourself, what you do at Mosaic, and then uh, what Mosaic does? Yeah, totally. So I'm Ashley Hamano. I am a senior BDR over at Mosaic Tech. Mosaic is a FPNA tool in the B2B SaaS area, and I am a senior BDR. And uh, yeah, so specifically about your role, is it uh, 100% outbound or do you also uh, manage some inbound needs? Or? Yes, so I am pretty much purely outbound, um, but we most recently decided to take on a few inbound things. So just kind of sorting that out, but a little bit of inbounding. Okay, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So do are you working in a specific segment, uh, size of companies, uh, any specific industry? Yeah, so I am in the strategic finance space for venture-backed B2B SaaS companies, typically series A through D, um, and kind of to paint a picture of like what Mosaic's by buyer personas look like is it mostly includes finance teams alongside business leaders who are challenged against like slow speed, high complexities and inefficiencies within the existing tools in the market. For example, when you say business leaders, uh... Can you give specific titles? Yeah, so it can be anywhere from CEOs, COOs, anyone who really wants that full picture on their business and to be able to make strategic business decisions. Okay. And uh, on the finance team, generally it's uh, CFO. Uh, what other titles are you going after? Yeah, it's really the whole finance team is who we cater to from CFOs to controllers to accountants. Um, there's just so much in there that they can provide value from. So whole team. Okay. And uh, can you explain uh, for the audience also um, may, maybe the two or three pain points uh, Mosaic uh, can help with uh, to solve? Typically, there's, you know, you have your existing tech stack and you have your finance, you have your HR, you have your Salesforce CRM. So it's really hard to paint a full picture of your complete business because they're working out of specific tech stacks and they can't get that full overview value. So essentially we go, we help out um, finance leaders and those business leaders who are looking to technology to create more meaningful collaboration and drive more strategic value for the business with real-time reporting and consolidating those insights, insights across their entire existing tech stack. So Mosaic really gives finance teams those superpowers to not only trust the numbers and do much more with less in an easy to use fashion, but it also saves just endless hours in spreadsheets and manual tasks. Okay, so now I have some question about uh, your quota. So what's your monthly quota as a senior video? Yeah, so overall the goal each month is our quota of nine opportunities created. Nine opportunities, okay. And when you say opportunity created, is it stage one, stage two? Uh, when stage you... one. Stage one, okay. Yeah. Stage one. And uh, do you have any uh, metrics that you need to hit every day? Or is it like 50 touch points, 100 touch points every day? Or what's your... Yeah. Template? So although it is success metric driven, our team doesn't necessarily go by activity numbers. We go by performance. Okay. So... Uh, yeah. Okay. And so, for example, uh, are you focused on conversations per day or what, or what do you mean? Yeah. So basically, my team's processes are all probably pretty different. 
Um, and I really enjoy this structure for many reasons. The biggest being is that everyone can hammer into what they're best at. So for example, we have Bree and the other Ashley on my team that are great on the phone. So they'll likely hammer into the phone, whereas I excel in emails and other channels. So I've gotten to build my own strategy. So there's no specific numbers, but at the end of the day, as long as we get those nine opportunities created, it's personalized of how everyone does best. Okay. And uh, so I forgot to ask because you said B, uh, series A to series D, generally the size of the company is like uh, from 30 employees to 300, 400 employees or? Anywhere between like 11 and 1,000 is really like our target. Yeah. And I know you said you don't have like, any specific KPIs to hit uh, from, I imagine from Matt, actually, because yeah, I forgot to mention <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, but uh, on the first episode, I interviewed Matt. So now we have Ashley uh, <laughs> talking from uh, the field, actually, uh, from his team. So he's not giving you any KPIs to hit, but personally, do you have like uh, personal metrics that you are, enfin, personal goals that you are um, setting every day? Uh, Yeah, so I'd say as far as my goals go, I really would say like the primary focus is the amount I do outbounding activities. So hours that I'm hammering in on one-offs to high engagement or calling or chatting on LinkedIn, and then the amount of new accounts that I'm putting into my pipeline every day. Those are really the biggest things that I focus on each day. Okay, so how many accounts do you add per day uh, to your pipeline? I like to do between five and 10, depending on where I'm pacing and how much bandwidth I have, because of course you don't want to just overpack your pipeline um, and just get overwhelmed. So I like to just try and pace it of where I'm comfortable um, and can like follow up and be quality with prospecting and chatting with my prospects. Do you have a specific number for number of prospects? Uh, do you add to your cadences? Um, probably between three and five, depending on the size of the company. Again, we work with small companies, so probably a pretty small number. And so that's more or less, uh, yeah, 25, yeah, at least 25 to 30 uh, prospects to your clients every day, more or less. Yeah, exactly. Now let's talk about how you manage your time. So. Do you have um, a structure for your weeks or for your days? Um, but that's the first question. Uh, do you structure your weeks or your days? Days. Days, okay. So yes. what's, uh, how do you start your day? Okay, so first and foremost, I wake up in the morning and I try and get some movement with my 6 a.m. hot yoga. Um, just because I can't emphasize enough how important it is to my day to just get moving and make sure that I'm in a good headspace uh, while I'm you know, doing cold calls and things like that. Um, and then so the first 15 minutes of my day, I'll go through all my responses on Gmail or LinkedIn or Slack, um, and I'll be sure to just handle all of that. And then after that, I like to complete my outreach tasks first thing. So if you're not familiar with outreach, um, it's basically like the steps or in the sequence or the cadence. Um, so those manual emails or those LinkedIn touches. And then next, I like to do an outbounding activity for an hour, which is sending those one-offs to high um, engagement. Sorry. Before that, how many times, uh, how much time do you spend on, uh, you said, I'm sorry, you said 15 minutes on replying to your emails and everything. And then how many, uh, how much time do you spend after? On so your yeah, the outreach tasks are really just dependent on how many people I've outreached to. Is that what you're talking about? So it honestly takes at least an hour, um, if not longer. 
So okay, you never. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, you said. Then, yes, and then next I like to do an outbounding task. So just making sure that I'm outbounding for an hour, sending those one-offs, doing cold calls, anything that I can get that prospect then and there. And then from there, I do an hour of prospecting to find the accounts that I'll be setting in the sequence for that evening um, to go out for the next day. And then okay, after so that. So it's more like um, a re um, an hour of doing research? Yes, exactly. Finding those accounts, seeing if there's any new hires, all that good stuff. And then after that, I go back to outbounding activities. Like I said, one of my biggest goals each day is to try and get people then and there. Um, to get that spark that conversation. So I'll go back to outbounding activities until about 3 p.m. And then at that time, I'll go ahead and prospect within the accounts of the people that I'll be reaching out to and ex export those uh, contacts to or from Apollo to outreach. And then after that, I'll use like that half hour when they're uploading um, to kind of tend to any personal work priorities. So anything that has to do with like making my own sequences or drafting a LinkedIn post or watching a demo to, you know, attribute to my own goals, uh, wanting to be promoted in the future. So any of that stuff I'll do while the contacts are uploading. And then the last portion of the day is me working in outreach and sales nav and deciding based off of, you know, key factors, um, the new hires, growth, things like that, what sequence I will put my uh new prospects into to send out the next day and that's pretty much my whole day uh, that's good so <laughs> now let's talk about um how do you let's let's say how do you pick an account so because you are mentioning that uh, for example depending on specific criteria uh, you're going to to use different currencies so let's go back a little bit and let's talk about um, how do you pick an account uh, do you you do you have already a list uh, inside Salesforce or you are looking for net new accounts? Uh, what's your approach? Yeah, so the way it kind of works at within my team is you can take an account if it's eligible for transfer. So we're not really given like lists. Like we obviously have Salesforce lists where we can go in and those are all eligible for transfer. So we can go through those. But what I like to do is kind of just look at um, companies within, you know, US or places that I think that they'll have our tech stack. Um, because once you start obviously going to different con uh, countries, it makes it harder or, you know, makes it a little iffy if they'll have, you know, the ERP because it's probably based in a different area. So I'll go off the geography of it. And then within that, I'll look at certain variables. So I'll see, have they made a key hire in the last few months? What does their growth look like on in within SalesNav? You can go ahead and see at the bottom like their uh, headcount growth and things like that. Um, and then another factor I'll look at is you know what does their team look like? Do they have a finance team? Do you know what does that team look like? And that's how I decide if it's a good fit account or not. And then I'll see if it's eligible for transfer and I'll put it in my name. Um, and of course, like new series raises companies, those are always good ones as well. Uh, when you say growth, for, ex for example, are you looking, for example, if the company is growing, you're going after them. But for example, right now with the current, I would say situation with layoffs and stuff like that, if you see a company with just layoff um, employees, are you going to prospect them or are you Absolutely. going to have a different approach? Okay. No. So with my tool specifically, we can really, really help companies that are growing, but also that aren't because at this point they want to do 
more with less and our tool, you know, enables them to do that. They don't need to go hire more people. They can use our tool to do the headcount planning. They can do, you know, just everything right in the tool. So that's also a really good one for us is to see if we can help when with the, you know, current market conditions. And you mentioned that you are looking for specific tools. Uh, how do you, um, what, what do you use to see the tools they are using? Because I know, for, for example, for sales personas or marketing personas, it's marketing personas, it's pretty easy to, you go on the website and you see the tech stack there on the website and you know <laughs> what they're using. Right. Uh, but I imagine for a finance, a finance team, it's maybe harder to track. Uh, how do you find that? Yeah, it's a kind of a shot in the, in the dark there. Um, some good things, you can find them on like a job posting. If they're hiring for a finance person, sometimes they'll say, hey, please have experience in, you know, QuickBooks or NetSuite. So that's that's a good one. Uh, but most of the time, we really have to spark that conversation in order to get that tech stack. And there has to be interest there. So a little bit of a grind. <laughs> now, let's say you pick your account. How do you approach your account? Um, what, you, you already talked about the growth, uh, the tools maybe that you can find. Um, what's your approach on or you go with a brand new account that you didn't prospect? Okay, so first thing I'll do, obviously look within the account, see who I'll be reaching out to. Um, and I like to go in their profiles and actually see, do they have a degree in finance? Do they have any sort of role where, you know, they just understand the product and it's useful for them. So that's the first thing that I do. After that, I'll go ahead and I'll see what's going on in the company. Is there any key events that have happened? Have they raised? What's going on within headcount growth? You know, areas where we can help. And then I'll decide what sequence or what material I'm going to send out to them. Because I obviously don't want to send them high growth things when, you know, they're putting a pause on hiring or there's a freeze. And I want to talk to those pain points rather. So. I really like to make sure that I'm dishing out the right things to them so it resonates, it's hitting their pain points, and it's actually something that they can use and need. Um, and then I'll go ahead and I'll put those people in those sequences and set them up to work. For example, you are talking about that if they have a degree in finance, for example, if they don't, is it going to change something? Or? No, not necessarily. But I do want to make sure that they have some sort of role as, you know, finance director or accounting or something that's relevant is really the biggest thing is making sure that I'm actually talking to the right person. Now, then also you mentioned that depending on if they are growing or not growing, you have different type of uh, sequences, but also content that you can uh, send them. So, uh, we're not going to talk about every sequence you have, but uh, how many sequences uh, do you have in total? So we actually only have a few right now, um, but the fun thing is, is we have one-offs and we can make our own stuff. So it's really, we can pick and choose from certain things and send that off to them. Um, but yeah. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, okay. So, so it's more based on, depending on what you find about them, then you make your more or less your own sequence. Yes. Well, so here's the thing. We have one sequence that's really high level that was obviously created before the market uncertainty and the economic uncertainty. So that one's pretty good to send to like high growth companies that are continuing to grow. But we also have one that kind of speaks on headcount planning and what if scenarios and things like that, that I will go ahead and send that out. So it's not like it, there's a certain sequence, although we did try out a market downturn sequence. Um, that would have been good. We could have put a little more detail and value adds in there, but 
Um, we took some of that and put it in a sequence. So that's what I'll use for people who are pausing headcount or you see a reduction there. When we are preparing this episode, uh, yesterday actually, so you mentioned something that I think will be super interesting for, for the audience. So uh, the the way you organize uh, your sequences um, and the prospects uh, also, the way you are prioritizing your, your prospects. So can you uh, tell me how you do that? Absolutely. So I'll go ahead and walk you through it. There's three parts to my organization and prior prioritization. So the first being workflow, some sequences and cadences will have call tasks and LinkedIn tasks associated with the emails. So I think that these should be taken with a grain of salt rather than completing every single one for every single prospect. What I like to do is I like to go through, really make sure to do all the tasks for the people that are high engaging, um, and then the, for the ones that aren't, I don't want to keep sending them, blasting them emails in the sequence if they haven't even seen the first ones. Like, they obviously don't want to be spammed. Um, and also that will really hurt your deliverability and open rates. So I really like to go back, see what they're viewing, see if they're interacting with my LinkedIn. And I'll try and sorry, reach them. Sorry to interrupt here. No, uh, just a quick question before you, you move forward on this. Uh, for those who are not engaging, do you remove them from your currencies? Yes. Um, so that's yes? definitely okay. something I want to do. Um, and in that case, I'll try and put them. We have like a LinkedIn and call specific only sequence. And you can put them through there and you can try and engage on another one. But what I really like to do is I like to go back in, reprospect, see if there's anyone else I can hit in the company that it would resonate with and that it's relevant to them. And then I'll try and see if I can spark some engagement from them. So okay, okay. that is the first so, part. Sorry. Of it. And, okay. Okay. And then. So the next part of it is obviously what I hit on before was analyzing in order to make a decision. So analyzing the prospects profile um, that you're going to reach out to, do they understand your product? Is it the right buyer persona? Have they laid off or have they raised or made new hires? Um, which goes to what I'm going to send to them. And then just analyzing the profile of who you're trying to sell to and making sure they're a good fit before even chasing them and, you know, wasting time on both ends. So that's the next part of it. And then lastly is prioritization and tearing the prospects. So I personally think that SDRs don't need to have wishful thinking when it comes to book meetings and hitting their quotas. They can really make their life easier by prioritizing. Um, and not letting accounts slip. So how I do this is using tags and outreach. And you can use a list in Salesforce. I'm not sure how sales not, or uh, sales loft works, but I'm sure there's multiple ways you can do this. This is essentially making a list. So for me, tier one tags, I'll use a tag um, in outreach. And these are my tier one prospects. So high engagement on multiple emails amongst multiple prospects at the same company. Uh, this is super important because this is a key indicator. Okay, there's a problem that you've hit on in your emails. You want to be sure that you're giving them your best outreach here, which means extra targeting them on LinkedIn and doing activity or, you know, making those extra calls because you know that multiple people in the company think that there is some, somewhere you can help. So that's the first part of it. Um, second is tier two, which is high engaging on most emails from a single relevant prospect. So obviously... If there's a marketing person looking at my stuff, that's not the right way to go. But if it's a finance person that's looking at, you know, product features that are in my emails, okay, look, there's somewhere we can help. So I want to keep them also in a 
list where I can go in and I can send one-offs and be sure to keep them because the way Mosaic works is we have, you know, 30 days until our accounts go eligible for transfer. So it's crucial that we are hitting these people, keeping them in our pipeline. Um, Otherwise, you know, a day slipped by and then someone else on your team can take the book meeting next. So it's really important to track these things. Um, And then the layer under that is I star prospects. Um, There's like a feature in outreach where you just star them. And those are the people who have viewed my emails two plus times. So that you can check daily. And if there's two uh, views, I'll go ahead and star that. Um, and I don't go... So for those, is it tier th- uh, the tier three? Yeah, so this is tier three, but I don't put them into a tag. I like to go ahead and star them. So the reason why I do this is when I'm going through a sequence, they'll come up with tasks, right? So LinkedIn or calls. And these prospects will show a star on them when I'm going through and the ones who aren't engaging or just seen the email once will also be there, but you'll see the people with star. So what you can do is you can just put extra effort in when you are completing those manual tasks. So, you know, just putting more value in the email or going ahead and doing extra work on LinkedIn, things like that. Um, and then all other counts is tier four. So because we have so much flexibility in our pipeline, it's really important that our team knows when to let go of accounts because of course you don't want to try and juggle every account you've ever worked. Chances are you'll just get really stressed and you won't be able to focus on that quality over quantity. So there's a point where you need to know when you're going to be able to let go of an account. So having these lists and tags are just absolutely mind blowing. And my team loved uh, our little session there because it really helps focus on the good quality accounts that actually need your tool. Which is really good because the, where um, normally thinking about prioritizing your accounts or your prospects, not based on engagement, but more based on, do we have a previous opportunity with this account? Do we have um, a previous uh, champion uh, on this account that bought, for example, uh, the the product at another company? And I was thinking more about this, but here I think it's go a bit deeper on that because it's, yes, you can obviously prioritize this way, but now it's more about based on engagement and, like you mentioned earlier, it's you don't to to waste your time on maybe someone who is not engaged at all, and you want to be focused on those accounts who are engaged, but also prospects who are engaged, and uh, at the end get more uh, replies. I imagine <laughs> exactly. And the other thing to this is, I know you said you weren't super familiar with outreach, but the really cool thing about it is you can once you have these tags in this list, you can bulk compose value ads and webinar invites to keep your accounts from going eligible. You also have your running pipeline in one place and you can see when they were last contacted and if they're in a sequence. So this is important because, you know, two weeks goes by, you know, maybe this isn't top of mind anymore. It's speed to lead. You want to make sure you're constantly engaging. So this is a really good way to pace and see when you contacted them and to keep contacting them in one place. Exactly. And something also you mentioned that's super, uh, I think that's why also it's working really well. It's the, um, you are using your sequences um, but you also, on top of that, you're adding more touches that are not in, into the cases because sometimes what I was uh, seeing with some uh, SDRs, it's they have their sequence, they're running the sequence, but that's it. And uh, okay, they got like maybe three opens on one email, but they don't do anything about it. And here it's, yes, you have your sequence, but on top of that, you are doing this extra work uh, to get their, their attention, but also to generate a reply from them. Right, exactly. 
Okay, so now we need to talk about uh, your sequence. So um, I know you you are booking. For you you told me yesterday on when we were preparing the episode, you are booking fifty percent of your uh, meetings via email. Um, I know you you have different type of emails. So uh, wh what do you like to do with emails? Yeah, totally. So actually, the emails contribute probably more than half for my entire team. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, prospecting the accounts and the right people within the accounts and analyzing the company is what you need to do to lead up to a booked meeting, but a good email can go a long way. So a pattern we've noticed that has really brought success is stating your buyer persona's pain and giving them a visualization of how your product or company can solve for this. So whether it be a picture or a GIF or a meme, um, it's really a great structure and it drives the prospects to be curious. So My key takeaway is really being able to target that pain point um, more than just showing off your product and trying to sell, but being able to show how you can help with their pain point is just such a successful way to build an email. We, we, within your sequences, do you, you talk about different pain points? Um, uh, what's, yeah, okay. definitely. So there's anything from manual tasks and how we can help with time and SAS metrics that people have to manually calculate, but now they have these out-of-the-box SAS metrics. So there's just multiple pain points you can hit on within a sequence. You don't want to be per repetitive, but you want to make sure that you're giving a good variety and a good, you know, just overview of your product and tool. Do you prioritize your pain points in your sequence? Meaning that, for example, if you know that a specific pain point is the biggest one, do you send, send it in, in your first email? Yes. Um, I mean, the biggest thing that, you know, Matt taught me and the rest of my team and which reflects upon our materials is to not overly communicate in emails. Like you don't want to have a million words and a million photos and a million links in your photo and your uh, emails. But what you really want to do is try and have a one liner that really speaks to that pain that you can really get a lot of pain from that one point, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah. I am. Yeah. Because the goal is not to say too much about your product. You're, you want also to create some curiosity exactly. um, for your prospects to, uh, to say they want to learn more about uh, what you do. Totally. Uh, also, another thing you mentioned yesterday when we were preparing the episode, uh, the way you are um, reaching out to people on LinkedIn, I think was super interesting the way you are, you are doing that. So can you, Uh, for the audience, for people who are watching, explain what you do on LinkedIn. Yeah, so LinkedIn is my next favorite channel of outreaching to prospects. So my workflow looks a little something like this. Always be active, always like, comment, post, like any other social media platform you would use. Connect with every prospect that you are working and prospecting and really digest what your prospects are interested in and really be in their world. Not only can you use some of the information to send personalized one-offs um, and build rapport and cold calls, but you can find out super helpful things. So like I was telling you earlier, I don't just, I can't just find the, the tech stack. So it's a really good way to figure out what they're using. Are, do they already have a tool in place? Do, you know, they have Excel, what are they using? So it's a really good place to build that. Um, and then going off of that, um, having your name out there, you know, Ashley Hamana liked this, Ashley Hamana reposted this, it really gets the name in their mind so that, you know, maybe they go see their emails and your name is on there and they'll subconsciously recognize it and possibly respond to you. So that's a really good one um, alongside like job changes and things like that to find new accounts, which is great. 
Second part of this is messaging on LinkedIn. So my messaging that I found a lot of success with is the first touch being casual, appreciating the connection. Thanks so much for connecting, John. Um, and then start a quick conversation that is relevant to their life and tying in something from their profile. Um, so you just want to do a quick scan. You don't want to spend a million hours, but just doing a quick scan and pose, proposing like, I don't know, a question that is relevant to them that could tie in with your product. One line, one sentence, like you're texting. Can you give a, a, an example? Yeah, so I could say, hey, John, uh, thanks so much for connecting. How has everything been over at company? Um, safe to assume, super busy with planning season. That was a really good one that really sparked a lot of curiosity. Oh, okay, she's reaching out. That's really awesome. Planning season? Oh, yeah, I had a lot of pain with planning season. Uh, so that's really good. And then if they don't respond, you want to continue to bump them. Obviously, don't be annoying. Don't uh, the obvious reasons. But I like to do another bump after that um, and say or, or I like to really send over material. So a really nice thing about Mosaic is we have all these templates and checklists and things that people come to our website just to use. Uh, so I'll like to send, you know, month end clothes checklist or things like that. Something that could be helpful to them to, so that it piques their curiosity. Maybe they check out our website. Maybe they respond back. Um, but that's really what I found a lot of success with. And then the last bump can be some sort of case study or webinar invite. Really just making sure you're showing help to them is great. You can also pick a question. Oh, curious what tools you're using or curious this or that what your process looks like for this um just staying engaged making it relevant bringing curiosity which is yeah i really like what you just mentioned because it's focused on bringing value or starting conversation instead of uh, trying to pitch what you are doing um, and i think also sometimes I know some people, they try to really, uh, you know, find something personal about the person and say about the city and say, hey, if I'm talking about something specific, but I think yeah, it's more focused on something relevant exactly. to what you do as a company. And I think that's way better because it's not yeah, a casual conversation talking about the weather and then <laughs> to uh, be, uh, business stuff. So exactly. Um, yeah, really that. When you connect with your prospect on LinkedIn, do you uh, add a note on your connection request or you don't? I do not. I like to blind connect. Um, and then if they want to connect with me, I'll go ahead and send them, um, you know, a message then. Another good thing that I have found, I've had bounced emails and people not answer the phone and I will send them a LinkedIn sales nav message. But I don't just want to pitch the way I normally would if they connect with me. I like to do personalized outreach. So there, um, a good example of one I did previously was um, just tying in. I saw that he had an ice cream company. So I said uh, something relevant. I did number one, um, what flavor do you favor? And I said something like that tied into his life. And then number two, I said, wanted to extend the invite uh, to our webinar coming up. And he said, great outreach. And that sparked a conversation, which then led to us having a meeting down the road. So that's also a great resource is using LinkedIn sales now, but try not to sell and try and make it interesting. Like they want to accept it. When you say LinkedIn sales now, do you mean emails? Or in-mails, yeah, mean? yeah, sorry. In-mails, okay. Yes. Okay, no, that, that's fine. 
And uh, one last thing before we, we move to the questions of the end of the episode. Um, I know you mentioned that you are using a chatbot also. Um, right now, I, we didn't talk about that in your day to day, but I imagine, do you have specific days to use the chatbot? Um, so yeah, right now for qualified, um, it's newer for our team. So at first we were doing days. Now it's kind of a free for all. You just put it up on the side while you're working. Um, and I really like the flexibility of the tool because I can be doing my work while on my other screen, I'll have up qualified. So the biggest time that I will go in or the biggest thing that catches my eye is when my account is on the website. I've gotten a ton of meetings from just my account pops up, they're checking out our stuff and I'll say, hey, is this so-and-so from so-and-so? And they'll be like, what? Why is there someone, like this should be a chat bot. Why do they know my name? Why, did it, why is it personalized? So that's a really great one. Um, otherwise I'll pounce. So depending on what they're looking at, if they're looking at our integrations or their plans, clearly they're curious about chatting with us. So that's when I'll pounce. Obviously if they're looking at just content, um, chances are they just want to know about this SaaS metric or something like that. So I won't go ahead and pounce. What you mentioned about the chatbots, uh, for example, you are contact, uh, you're seeing an email and then they go on the website and you start a conversation there. I think that's super smart uh, because on the actually on the episode with Matt, we talked about that. It's um, I think before uh, SDR, they were only uh, focused on just doing outbound activities. Well, if they are focused on outbound, and they were not getting credit for people coming to the website because of their outreach. But now this way, also, so you you are here at the, the moment they're on the website, and you are here to start a conversation. And yeah, like you said maybe booking meeting that's yeah obviously that's great if it's the, the case but um now the way people buy products or tech uh, technology in general they don't want to talk to an sdr so they go <laughs> on the website and exactly. see what, what you do and what they do generally is they book a meeting or demo on the website without talking to someone right. and i think here it's um it's great because if they reply, that's great, and you can start the conversation, and at least you give them a really good experience to uh, with you. It's also all about speed to lead on there. That's like you have them real time. That's the biggest thing. You know, you can send an email; they can respond whenever. You can send LinkedIn, all that stuff. You know, you're just hoping that they get your message. But there, you know, they're on the site. You know, they're thinking about you right then and there. It's just a great time to hit them and try and chat them. So, love that tool. Do you do you try to call them also when they're on the website or just via the chatbot? I haven't yet. I know that the ability on Qualified, you can even like FaceTime them right then and there, but okay. I haven't played mm -hmm. around with that yet. <laughs> What's your favorite resource as an SDR? It can be a podcast, it can be a blog, it can be a newsletter, someone you're following on LinkedIn or a tool, for example. Okay, so I'm going to have to say my favorite resource as an SDR would be 30 minutes to the president's club podcast. Um, I feel like they actually really helped me understand sales. Um, prior to sales, I did a finance role. And prior to that, my most uh, sales experience came from my Chico state sales program. So they more so did training on mock demo calls and things like that. But where 30 minutes to president's club really helped me is understanding that you need to understand your buyer's pain and you need to speak to problems, not just pitch slap and just try and sell, but it really helped me understand the nature of sales and how to be a good SDR. So loved that one. Yeah, it's 
great podcast. Um, same for me. That's one of my uh, top. I, am, I think it was uh, number two, number three podcast for our 2020. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, what advice would you give to a smart and driven new SDR? Not to stress about the uncontrollable things, but to put your energy and effort into the things that you can control. Um, and just knowing speed to lead is a real thing. If someone responds to you, I'd get on that ASAP um, because, you know, you want to be top of mind and stay top of mind when they're interested um, and make sure your process is scalable. So those would be my main takeaways. Uh, what oh. do you mean your process is scalable? Uh, like just making sure because, so to me as a new SDR, I've been doing SDR for eight months now. Um, and I was really caught up in, oh my God, how am I going to, uh, how am I going to keep quality in these accounts and things like that? Um, but just making sure like how I'm organizing and prioritizing, that's making a scalable process. Otherwise you're going to get confused and it turns into a lot. And I was just noting a lot, noticing a lot of inefficiencies in my process prior. And it wasn't, I couldn't keep going each month being an SDR if I was at that pace. So finding like a happy medium, establishing organization and prioritization. What advice should they ignore? Yes. So I would ignore just hitting activity numbers to make your manager happy. And I'd focus more on making sure that the tasks you're completing and the activities you're completing are providing value to your prospects and are actually going to hammer into what you're good at and making sure that you're doing things that are going to provide you success in the long term. Well, Ashley, it was a great conversation. So thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. Uh, I don't want to finish the episode uh, like this right now. So is there anything else you want to, to share? Um, I think that is all. Thank you so much for having me. Super exciting to see what you're doing at work. Yeah, of course. And it was nice to see you. And for everybody listening, um, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much.